It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. It's a Monday. Time for our bonus hour podcast. Good evening, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. We are doing a split broadcast. I am broadcasting from the Shenandoah Valley in Lexington, Virginia, for a, quote, patio party. John is anchoring with our executive producer, Nona, the Black Labrador Retriever, from our studios in San Diego. John, cross your fingers. A, we don't get disconnected. And B, we don't get rained on as our patio party begins. A ton of topics on the table. Uh, This is going to be fast-paced. This is going to be moving before the rains come. Patio party is officially underway, and we're talking Padre baseball. And I don't see you smiling for the first time in all the years we've been doing Padre baseball. No. I mean, what a disaster over the weekend. They get swept by L.A. I mean, can the Padres ever overcome their nemesis? Uh, I guess the burning questions. Are the Dodgers for real? Are the Padres this bad? I mean, there's a lot of different dialogue we're going to go off to. The scoreboard does not lie. There's seven games out of first place at the quarter mark of the schedule. They lose three in a row to the Dodgers in L.A. after losing two or three in San Diego. They score four collective runs against the Dodgers in the weekend series. This team has dropped five straight. This team has lost seven of its last eight. And in the bigger picture, because we argued about this last week, What is a rivalry? Well, when you've lost 11 series in a row in regular season and your composite record is 6-28 and against those guys, doesn't seem like much of a rivalry there. And, John, the scoreboard does not lie as it relates to the hardcore statistics of where the Padres are. Yes, they get Kansas City in the front door. They get the Red Sox after that. They'll probably post some wins here. But in the bigger picture, when they played real people – they have gotten beaten. As of dinner time tonight, on this Monday night as we launch yeah. this patio party, Padres are 30th in baseball with a 225 batting average, 30th with runners in scoring position with a 198 batting average, 25th in on-base percentage, 26th in slugging percentage, 25th in home runs, 24th in strikeouts, and dead last throwing out base runners on the base paths. The statistics do not lie. And on top of that, and Bob Melvin's had a couple of meltdowns already this season. Bob Melvin questioning, quote, the intensity of the guys in his dugout, in his lineup, says it's time to quit talking about what you think you can do and start doing it. And to me, the crowning critical comment was he referred to his team as underachievers. So I've thrown a lot of stuff at you. We're a quarter away into the season, John. There's a lot of games still to be played, but the reality is this team is not playing to its capabilities, and we can't use any excuses whatsoever because they've hardly had any injuries. They're just not producing, and they have a $253 million payroll. Your turn to stand up and critique <laughs> or your turn to stand up and defend. What are you going to do on the patio? Well, what do you, 253 million is what second highest payroll in baseball, maybe third. And they're at the bottom in the batting uh, offensive statistics. I mean, this is ridiculous. Does this kind of show that you can't buy a championship? Is, is Seidler trying to buy a championship? The chemistry is just not working. He doesn't have enough good role players, guys coming up through the system. Maybe have they built it the wrong way? 
It's a burning question. You would think with a star-studded lineup with the Fab Four at the top of the batting order, they would terrify other pitchers. Has not happened at all. To me, John, it's absolutely stunning, the inefficiency of the batting order. Am I canceling the rest of the season? No. But if the deficit gets too big, it's really hard to come from 10 or 15 games back because the other guys are not going to lose all their games where you can make up all the ground. And I'll tell you what, the doubters across the country are out in force. John, I'm going to give you <laughs> some quotes. Ken Rosenthal, the Hall of Fame baseball writer who is a lead columnist covering MLB for The Athletic on Monday, today, just wrote a column. The Dodger way is the way to win. Hmm. The Padre way. What is that way? There has been no great success in the big picture of Padre baseball. He said he counted on Sunday in the final game of the weekend series. The Dodgers had 10 prospects in the lineup on the mound. The Padres had one, the pitcher Ryan Weathers. Uh, Padre farm system has one guy at AAA that you could say is a major leaguer. That's Ryan Weathers. He threw yesterday. The Dodger farm system has five blue chip pitchers at AAA Oklahoma City. Some are close to being ready. Some have been hurt or not ready yet but the Dodgers structure is different than the Padres structure and of course San Diego with a 253 million payroll the Dodger payroll is 225 but that was by design to take them below the luxury tax and he says the Dodgers are leveraged correctly with all these guys in the farm system plus the marquee free agent John they can go get and plug in whereas the Padres are leveraged to the hilt with all these veterans and they have nothing at AAA and very little mm -hmm. at double A. The Padre future is obviously tied up to all these guys on the 10, 11, and 14-year contracts. And he said there's two words that he wants to use in any conversation with A.J. Preller, the general manager. One is sustainability, and second is accountability. And this is kind of a vote of no confidence from Ken Rosenthal towards the Padres general manager and the Padres way of doing things. And he finished off this long column in The Athletic today with this statement, winning the winter baseball meetings and winning the trading deadline doesn't mean anything if you can't win consistently. And the mm -hmm. Padres have not, and the Padres are not this year. So there's a ton of items and quotes I just posted on your <laughs> bulletin board there behind you. So your turn to respond. Well, you know, the, the Padres go out and sign these players or trade for them, and then they come here and they take a dump. You know, they they don't perform. So is that really on Preller or is that really on the players? And and really, we could go back in history. There's so many other players that have come here that have underperformed in San Diego. It's like there's something in the drinking water. But even the 2014, when, when Preller made the big splash, you know, with, with Kemp and, and the Upton brothers, et cetera, they still underperformed. It seems like no matter what we try in San Diego, it fails. It's a San Diego sports curse. Well, I, I think the first group of guys that Preller imported, and I back in the day as I was doing sports talk radio, and I got tired of hearing com the comments and tired of seeing the losses and the inefficiency. To me, they were all a bunch of independent contractors. Mm. There was no bond. And right now, I'm waiting to see when this bond is going to develop in the Padre clubhouse. You know, we saw flashes of it last year, even though Tatis was not part of the equation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was pretty electric baseball 
for the last half of the season and forging their way into the playoffs, and then they knocked the Dodgers out. I mean, that was electric. And I thought as the season started, John, we were going to just pick up from where we left off because El Nino was back in the batting order and has not happened. So I'm just stunned. I don't know whether it's team chemistry. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, the baseball beat writer, indicated that he thinks there's a lack of camaraderie in the clubhouse, that everybody goes out and plays their game, and if they get hits, okay. And if they don't get hits, well, tomorrow's another day. And by the way, I'm getting paid on the 1st and 15th. He just kind of <laughs> had an indictment of what Padre baseball has become. Does that make any sense to you? It kind of does. I mean, because, yeah, you, you see like when Machado grounds out into a double play, he just sort of shrugs it off, you know. It'll come, it'll come. But at some point, man, you got to step up, have a sense of urgency. But what could the Padres really do right now? I mean, do you demote guys? Do you fire managers? Do you trade or jettison some players? I mean, what's the solution? Well, those are burning questions. Somewhere along this highway, you have to hold Bob Melvin accountable. It is his club. It is his decisions. It's his metrics handed down from the front office. It's his batting order. And as we sit here a quarter of the way into the season, they still have not really settled in on a batting order that begets the next guy in the lineup that is a catalyst to make things happen. Uh, I counted yesterday, there were 11 guys in the lineup, uh, the 11 everyday players who would be in the lineup hitting under 235 go figure that out i mean it's it's, it's a stunning statistic and if, if some guys aren't hitting that means if they're getting taken out one two three in the first inning that means the guy that leads off the second's not going to get the uh, pitches that he can hit because they can kind of pitch around some of these guys so it's just collectively it's just square peg round hole does yeah. not fit right now and they banned the shift and they made the bases bigger and all of these elements in the game have changed to make it more productive for offense. And yet the Padres still put up goose eggs on, on the scoreboard. So that's where we are. They're going to win some games here because Kansas City's a wretched team. Red Sox had a lousy, lousy start. Now they've kind of kicked it back into gear. But, you know, down road, they got the Yankees and down road, they got some of the other top teams are still going to have to play. This seven-game deficit, John, better not become 10, better not become 15, because you don't make up that kind of ground, right. even even if you're at midseason with half a season to go. Okay, <laughs> before we go from Padre Baseball, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk NBA playoffs in a minute. John, explain to everybody watching on our live stream broadcast and on the replays how they can subscribe to all the stuff, the junk that we offer on our Monday bonus yeah. podcast and our Thursday podcast. Yeah, all the stuff. So you can subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to like, follow, share, and subscribe with all of Hacksaw's social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Hacksaw is high-tech and interactive. We're doing Zoom today. So you, there's a lot of ways you can engage and participate. And by the way, John wants me to remind you on behalf of our executive producer and owner of the Black Labrador Retriever that we're the only podcast that has a mascot. And by the way, I want you to add in, give us a thumbs up. And because John's so desperate, John wants five stars. If you're going to rank us and rate us, give us five stars. John, let's move on. Uh, Three-point shots start Tuesday night. Oh, this will be a fun series. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers, you know, we were talking about them before. Do they have the right makeup to maybe make the finals and win the whole thing? I mean, they're looking really good right now. Think about this. Two and ten start. Think about this. Struggling to get into the play-in game 
where they almost lost to Minnesota, should have lost to Minnesota. Think about this. They're playing the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. You talk about a surge. Are you healthy? Yeah, they are. Are you hot? Yeah. Are they a complete team? Boy, they're getting contributions from a ton of different people. So now we got the matchups. And I think this is going to be the burning question. Lakers-Denver game one on Tuesday night. It's going to be the battle of the bigs. Mm-hmm. I think that's the correct headline you're putting in there. That's right. Who gets in foul trouble? Who survives? Because there's no doubt Nikola Jokic is going to go head-to-head with Anthony Davis. And Davis has been playing possessed basketball. But how about Jokic coming out of the Phoenix series where a lot of people thought this will be the end of the road for the Nuggets because he's got to face Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and all those guys against Phoenix. Jokic, 32 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, 10 assists per game. The guy was dazzling. That's one question. Who wins the battle of the bigs? Then another question. How do you defend LeBron James? And can LeBron James play 42 minutes a night? That's a big issue because he's looked fatigued on defense. He does have spurts where he's flipped the key on and taken it up another notch, but he can't do it for 42 minutes a night. So who's going (laughs) to defend LeBron? And just collectively, how complete will his game be? And then you got, you know, then you got other matchups. Uh, you got Jamal Murray, who's an outside shooter. I mean, do you send Austin Reeves after him? Do you put Vanderbilt on him to try to negate him taking it to the basket? Fun matchups there. You got Michael Porter, who has some good games that he's great. You got the Lakers guys, which Dennis Schroeder shows up. Guy off the bench who hurts you. Guy off the bench who can hit shots. And then obviously... There's ancillary guys in Denver. Uh, the, the most amazing one is Cantavius Pope, KCP, the ex-Laker. He has had some amazing outburst of point production for the Denver Nuggets, as has Bruce Brown coming off the bench. So Denver, although statistically it looks like it's all Jokic all the time, he makes so many plays for himself. He makes so many plays for his teammates to get him open. And as they as they tip the opening ball off, Denver's averaging 118 points per game in the playoffs. 118. Lakers defensively, John, they're averaging 106. So the Lakers are hanging in there pretty well. But, you know, it's I think it's a best of seven series. I just the burning question, can the Lakers studs, the bigs, AD and LeBron, can they handle 42 minutes a night? Because they're going to have to play 42 minutes a night. And who survives the fouls? Does AD go to the bench with fouls or do they get Jokic in trouble? If he comes out of the lineup, then Denver's not the same basketball team. John, don't shoot an air ball. Give me a three-point <laughs> shot with definition. So 42 minutes for these old guys running up and down the court at elevation, at mile high. I mean, that's going to have to really drain on them, especially LeBron at his age. It makes you wonder if maybe this is going to finally be the end of the road for the Lakers. I'll tell you what, as a Warriors fan, I'm all in with the Nuggets. (laughs) I want to see Denver advance (laughs) here. Um, But, uh, you know, the Lakers have just had this magical season, and it just seems – all the chess moves have worked. And, you know, are they going to be able to pull this off again? Seven-game series, but Denver has home court advantage, right? Swami says the guy that wins the Western Conference Finals is going to win the NBA championship. Because hmm. I don't think Boston-Miami, I don't think that's a sexy matchup. That's a matchup of injuries. It's a matchup of limited firepower. One of these guys out West is probably going to win the championship. So I think it's going seven, but we have to answer the questions about 
durability. And you're correct. If if Denver forces tempo at altitude, can the Lakers bigs hang in there for 42 minutes? Because they're going to have to play those kind of minutes. It's going to be a great series. Uh, on we go. Let's talk NFL football. John, what topic do you want to put it on the table first? Well, I mean, the schedule for the Chargers, has this changed? Or what, what, what are you seeing here, Lee? Well, the NFL released its schedule last Thursday, and I kind of nitpicked and went through a couple that we're going to discuss. Uh, the Chargers are going to try to outgun Kansas City this season based on what they drafted. They got great firepower. They have really fixed the offensive line. Justin Herbert might not be Patrick Mahomes, but he's damn close to being Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think that they're going to try to score 42 points per game, just like Kansas City does, and the defense will just see if they can hold up to it. Uh, I I just really like the way the schedule lays out. They got six primetime games. How about that? Hey, that's that might right. be a record in modern-day Charger history, and that's because of the kid quarterback, uh, what Justin Herbert has been able to accomplish. They open with Miami. Now, that's a unique thing because half the world is running around screaming, hey, this will be see- cool to see Justin Herbert versus Tua Tagovailoa. That's not the matchup. It's Justin Herbert against Vic Fangio's defense. Fangio, mm-hmm. right light, defensive coordinator, ex-head coach who built that defense in Denver. He's now the assistant head coach coordinator in Miami. So Justin Herbert's going to be looking at a very, very different defense that he's never seen before triggered by Vic Fangio. So I, I think that's interesting. They they play in, in week two. They're going to uh, wind up playing the Tennessee Titans on the road. Tennessee's in the midst of rebuild, but, you know, they run the football, run the football, and play good defense. Week three, they meet Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota Vikings, up there, and they got Kirk Cousins. Throw the hell out of the ball. That might be 42-41 uh, before it's over. I, I like the mixed bag schedule because it's balanced. They're not playing three road games in a row. They're not playing a ton of big-fisted players and teams back-to-back-to-back Sundays. Uh, I like the schedule also. Monday night football, that is Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets are going to play. And Monday night football, that is Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. And Monday night football, that is Patrick Mahomes. And then they got two Sunday night games. That is Lamar Jackson in Baltimore you're going to face. And then they're going to face the Bears. And they have a Thursday night game against Garoppolo and the guys wearing silver and bleak. I mean, silver and black. (laughs) So I I think it's a really good schedule. And I'll tell you, at home, this is an amazing home schedule. Road schedule, I think, gives them some breaks. But home schedule, they get Tua, they get Dak Prescott, they get Lamar Jackson. And if that's not enough, they get Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Wow. You know, I think they had a good draft. I think they are loaded offensively. And this is going to be a schedule that's going to test them to make it high-scoring throwing affairs. Yeah, this is just like the old Don Coriel days, right, where they had yeah. the great offense, and you're always wondering if the defense could just hold them to maybe 35 or less to give them a chance to win. But, Hacksaw, you're looking up and down that schedule. I mean, what kind of a record do you think the Chargers are going to finish with this year? Well, I just projected it myself, and it – I mean, there's some big boys on that schedule. It's mm-hmm. not going to be easy. I think 10-7. and seven. And I know other people would say, well, Lee, possibly 12 and five. I don't know them being 12 and five because they haven't fixed the defense and they got holes in their defense now because they let some guys go and there's still guys rehabbing from injuries that we don't know about right now. But 10 and seven to me should probably get them uh, into the playoffs. So let's go from that team to the other team on the other side of the stadium. Yeah, the Rams. I mean, like it's a death march. I mean, so what is going on with L.A.? Can McVay turn this thing around? 
John, if he didn't like last year, I don't think he's going to like this year. If he struggled last year at five and 12, my goodness, it may be even harder this year. You know, we, we had talked extensively about all the guys that left the roster. Uh, there are now 18 that have vacated the Rams roster through trades, through free agency, et cetera. They do have Matthew Stafford back, but they have holes on the offensive line. Huge question about the running back, Cam Akers. Can he play a 17-game schedule? He's never, ever done that because he's had a bunch of different injuries. It's a very different makeup of the wide receiver core. And they need help for Aaron Donald, the superstar defensive lineman, but they've lost everybody around him, and they've run off other guys too. Uh, I, I, I just think they don't want, him, want me to say this, but the word is rebuild. And I think it's going to be really hard on Matthew Stafford, and I think it's going to be as – as nasty in L.A. as they rebuild as it was when he suffered all those years uh, with the Detroit Lions. And then if that's not enough, I mean, that's the big picture of the roster. John, they play three of their first four on the road. That's hard. John, they open with at Seattle, home with San Francisco, at Cincinnati, right out of the gate. Wow. They play, the, they play those guys to start. And then they play three at home, but at home, that's the Eagles come in, the Steelers come in, Dallas and Dak Prescott comes in. I don't think they survive. I think their season could be effectively over, John, on October 15th. And then, by the way, at the end of the season, back-to-back roadies in the cold weather in New York against the Giants. And then they renew that rivalry with those guys up north, the 49ers, so... You know, we might be looking five and twelve. Hell, we might be looking four and thirteen. This, I think, this is this is going to be a fall from grace, like nobody could have ever expected. They got they had all those draft picks. They signed twenty four unsigned, undrafted free agents. You know, they'd be wearing name tags in the huddle. I am. Who are you? <laughs> I mean, well, does Matthew Stafford survive this this season? I mean, is he just going to get? beaten to a pulp. I mean, they drafted a quarterback, right? I mean, do, do they have a, do we think we're going to see the Rams of the future on display on the field this year? If Stafford goes down with an injury, yeah. Uh, they, they think that a year's experience for young offensive line will be better, but that's that's the sales pitch from the public relations release. Uh, you know, they got to prove it to me. Um, there's no doubt that he's he's gifted. No doubt he's a tough guy. There's no doubt that he's a leader, but I just I just don't buy the makeup of the roster around the quarterback. I mean, think about this. They've gone from Super Bowl two years ago to five and 12. Wow. And my projection, my God, this could be four and 13 this season. That's, that's not good. That's a summary on Rams football. Where do you want to go next? Well, I mean, we were talking a little bit about the AFC West and, you know, the Chargers have to really step up, but the Chiefs are such a tough team, Super Bowl champs. I mean, where are you seeing with, with Kansas City and their foe in the Super Bowl from last year? Well, they, they returned virtually everybody intact, and they went out and drafted more speed. That's that's Andy Reid's nameplate. Um, you know, you, you look at their roster or the lineup and the schedule. They're going to play all these quarterbacks. So there, there'll be a bunch of throwing contests involving Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they get Aaron Rodgers in week four in New York against the Jets. They get Justin Herbert and the boys with the Chargers in week seven. In week 11, guys wearing midnight green, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles show up. Uh, to nice. play Kansas City. Week 14, they get Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And then, of course, you get the mishmash of the rest of the AFC West. I think the schedule lays out well for them, but there will be a lot of high-scoring and throwing contests there. So I, I think Kansas City potentially has, has a, another good season in them. Now, from Kansas City, let's go to the other Super Bowl team, Philadelphia. Lucky we have the month of September on the calendar, John. 
because they play five easy teams right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. So it would not be hard for me to imagine talking to you about the Eagles being 5-0 and as we kind of roll into October. But listen to this. Philadelphia, they get, they get the Jets in week six, so they get Aaron Rodgers. But starting in week nine, the Eagles play Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas again, and Seattle. In a six-week window, they play that. That's a suicide schedule to me. <laughs> yeah, but overall, the NFC is weaker than the AFC, right? So that's why I think parts of their schedule, they'll have a little reprieve, some valleys where they can go in and knock some teams around. But yeah, when you have to play the Niners, the Cowboys twice, those are going to be tough games. I mean, do you think we can, might see a rematch in the Super Bowl, Chiefs and Eagles? I mean, they're setting up that way, I think. Well, I think potentially, yeah. I think that's a real valid question. Because uh, the Eagles bring back everybody, and, and they obviously help themselves a great deal with the draft of Jalen Carter and, and the linebacker safety, who was their second pick. So I, I think Philadelphia loaded, but you're going to need all the bullets in the gun. You, you talk about six games in a row against the <laughs> upper echelon? Wow. No, well, you know, no easy day there. Well, Jalen Hurts just got his master's degree, right? So he's a smart guy. He's going to find his way to get through those teams. On we go. Two other uh, tidbits here as we talked about the, the NFL schedule. Figure this one out. I, and I don't know why the league does this to their teams, John. They got the New York Giants, who share the Meadowlands with Aaron Rodgers now. The Giants play seven of their first ten on the road. Can you believe that? Wow. Seven out of ten. You know, it used to be when we had multi-purpose stadiums, you had to share your stadium with a baseball team, you'd have mm -hmm. problems. Right. But these are football teams. I mean, they coexist. How can you play 7 of 10 on the road? That's terrible. And in terms of Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be a haymaker of a schedule. They play in a six-week span, Buffalo, Dallas, Kansas City, and Philadelphia. Think about Ooh. that. And we don't, we don't know who the Jets are right now. You know, they had the top three offensive tackles were gone with season-ending injuries last year. They think they're going to be back, but who knows who holds up. Their wide receiver core had injuries. Uh, they lost their top running back, who had a great rookie season, headed for a thousand yards with a knee injury. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers is healthy, and Aaron Rodgers is a great player. But boy, you think of, just think about that having to go against Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts in consecutive weeks. That's a that's loaded schedule. You know, <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, so so um, tell me. Tell me this, so when you're looking at this season, 2023, is there any dark horse in the NFL that you like that might surprise this season? Well, Jacksonville made a huge jump last year, you know, and that's become kind of the sexy conversation point in the AFC. And so did the Detroit Lions. They kind of willed their way by their physical street fight mentality to be real good. So I think that probably bears watching, too. Okay, John, we got a lot of people want to participate very quickly before we start the fans forum, and you're going to punch up and read the questions. Just remind everybody again about subscribing and how they can be part of our team. Yeah, so you can always subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all the platforms. Be sure also to subscribe on YouTube. Click on that bell, and you'll get uh, alerts when we drop new live stream episodes and new video clips throughout the week. And don't forget... 
Check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I write on it every day, including my one man's opinion column. Make sure you give John and me thumbs up and give Nona, our <laughs> mascot of our podcast, five-star rating across the way. John, fire some questions at me before we wrap up the patio party. Okay, so this is about the San Diego Chargers and their draft. That's from REM. He says, I got to say, Lee, that even that quarterback from TCU, like Coach Staley said, when watching him, he jumps off the screen at you. He reminds me of a bigger Drew Brees. In this league, an injury can happen at any moment at the quarterback position. Just look at the 49ers last year. I think even the undrafted free agents have promise. Well, quarterback one is Justin Herbert. Quarterback two is the young kid out of North Dakota State, Easton Stick, who's been an apprentice. He's been third on the depth chart the last couple of years. They think he's ready. And he's kind of cut from the same cloth as Justin Herbert in terms of size, moving the pocket, not afraid to run, play option stuff, things of that nature. I think more than anything else, Max Duggan uh, from TCU is going to wind up on the developmental squad. It'll be a learning curve season for him. Is he's, His physique is like Drew Brees. He's a little bit undersized. He's not going to run the football as he did in college. He'll be a pocket guy, but there's an intellect there. They really do like him. So that's down road, but Justin Herbert takes every snap until he goes down. If he goes down, you hope he doesn't go down. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, I mean, we're, it's funny. It's we're, we're in May, but we're all so fired up for the NFL already. Hey, here's another question. This is about the Raiders. This is from Tom Cutler Perriman. He says, Hacksaw, what's with the ESPN story that Tom Brady is in talks to either buy or buy into the Las Vegas Raiders? Wouldn't he rather own the Chargers? Wouldn't we all wish he would own the Chargers, especially since he lives here? Your thoughts? Well, Tom is going to be an investor. He has all this loose change in his pocket, so he's going to invest and become a minority owner of the Raiders. This has nothing to do, I don't think, with any football operation. I don't think he accedes to be a general manager or anything along that lane. He's got, he's got enormous amounts of money to invest, and I think he wants to stay linked to the National Football League. You know, if, if we're comparing superstars who just left the game, I'm kind of surprised Peyton Manning is not in somebody's front office. Hmm. But those jobs are hard. Those jobs are really tough. Those jobs are unbelievably demanding in terms of manpower hours. Those jobs are really pressurized. So I think Tom just wants to be a minority owner. He's got the cash in his pocket to do it. So I don't think you'll see him actively involved uh, as a front office executive, at least not yet. Okay. Uh, This is uh, a a little bit about the Padres and Dodgers. This is from PC Barnum on the Instagram um, uh, platform. He says, Dodgers Padres rivalry is like a rivalry between a hammer and a nail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have last October to flash back to, and that was kind of cool for our community. But in the bigger picture of things, there's just a lot of things that have to come together for the Dodgers and a lot more things that must fall into place for the Padres. Uh, the Dodgers have developed, you know, the couple of those kids that are playing pretty well, led by Outman, the center fielder, and obviously what they're getting from Vargas. Uh, the loss of Gavin Lux has really impaled them. Uh, is it a complete Dodger team? No, but it's a team that's playing well together. And I got all those young arms at Oklahoma City who are surfacing and are headed to Dodger Stadium within the next half a season. I, the Padres have to win with what the Padres have invested in because there's nothing they're at AAA, so uh, we won't see the Dodgers for a while now on the schedule because of the the change in the, in the schedule. You play them only 13 times rather than the typical 19 games, but a lot of work to be done for the Friars for sure. 
it seems like the national media wants this to be a rivalry so bad and it just never works. I mean, obviously Padre fans want to get over on the Dodgers, but you know, I mean, it's just the Dodgers organization, their player development. It's been so good for such a long time. And the Padres kind of, you know, they surge, they come in, they come and go, but they have no sustainability and it's so frustrating. So hopefully these guys are going to figure out a way to hit. And if they do, they could go on a run. The Padres have invested everything in the current roster they have, what they had invested prior. All those kids in the farm system, John, go through any box score on a Sunday in Major League Baseball, and I bet you find 15 to 20 ex-Padre prospects are playing for other people, having success, like Max Fried, like Ty France. They're spread out all across baseball. Um, Padre season's not over, but the Padres players need to get this thing in gear before this deficit grows too big let's do one more question on fans forum okay uh let's see let's um let's get this is a kind of an interesting take here this is uh from quake fan he says diehard vikings fan here if the vikes ever win a super bowl bud grant will have the best seat in the house rest in peace mr grant and hacksaw you still rock after all these years well, Bud Grant was obviously a trendsetter back in the day, a little bit of old school. We talked last week about his quarterback, Joe Cap, also passing away. I I don't know what kind of season the Vikings are going to have because their defense wasn't real good last year, and now they've purged the defense of an awful lot of players. There's an awful lot on Kirk Cousins' plate to carry this thing. I just don't know defensively where their philosophy is and why they've gotten rid of, in probably two calendar years, so many guys. you you got to have veterans on the defensive side and have let an awful lot of guys go now they do have salary cap issues their roster may not be done they may move dalvin cook the star running back coming off a major injury he's got a huge cap figure obviously they got to re-sign justin jefferson that's going to be a big cap dollar uh, development uh and obviously cousins contract is coming up and there's monster money involving that veteran quarterback they'll be fun to watch we'll see them very early in the Chargers season I just don't know that they've got enough football players, especially on the defensive side of the football. Hey, John, we pulled it off. Our patio party from Virginia back to our studios in San Diego. Pretty bleep and impressive, and it didn't rain on me out here on the back patio. All right, man. I mean, that's nice to know that even when we have travel, we can still pull this off and uh, you know have something to share with uh, with all the sports fans out there. Good job for you. And by the way, programming note, This coming Thursday, the history of Sports Talk Radio in San Diego, how it developed, what it became, what it's turned into, where I came from, like, dislike, agree, disagree, you'll get the full story. Thursday, the history of San Diego Sports Talk Radio, and then, of course, we'll be back with bonus coverage next Monday. John, thanks for being with us and executing this and pulling us off. Have yourself a great week. We'll chat with you when we get back. Right on. Look, have a great time out there on the East Coast. And thanks again to everybody for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines and our bonus podcast on a Monday. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.